for the Newsmax Daily from Newsmax, America's fastest growing cable news channel. Now, now, here's your host, Rob Carson. Welcome to the very first edition of the Newsmax Daily. My name is Rob Carson. I'm your host. I am a uh, talk show host, a political satirist, audio and video podcaster, not a journalist. I'm not. I'm not a journalist. Don't give me any kind of credit for being a journalist. I uh, I am very interested in things, and I share uh, the day's events and my thoughts on them. Occasionally, try to use humor when I can. I spent a good uh, share of my career writing for Rush Limbaugh. Uh, God rest him. Um, for over 20 years, wrote his political satire. So we're going to try something a little bit different here. It's the first foray into audio from Newsmax, a company that I'm very proud that I'm a part of. I do a show on the weekends. It's called Rob Carson's What in the World? And it is a satirical look at politics, pop culture, and stuff that I guess I find interesting. And obviously, I think you have as well. So a lot of people are watching the show, and I enjoy doing it. Today, we've got a lot of things on the the slate, including Democrats using hate crime to, I guess, gain points in another ethnic group. Joe Biden falling up the stairs of Air Force One. The American media is avoiding that. We have special guest Jim Bohannon of Westwood One Radio. Jim has a nationally syndicated radio program. He is also a legendary talk show host, Hall of Fame broadcast member. And then we've got uh, just a bunch of madness from around the country, including COVID madness. I have a list of rules from around the world. (laughs) You are going to, you are not going to believe some of the rules that different countries have with regard to COVID. You think that ours are arbitrary and my gosh, they have been You've got different states and different things, and nobody really knows what the heck is going on. So Kamala Harris and Joe Biden went to Atlanta. We know there was a horrific shooting uh, of eight people, killing eight people in an Atlanta area, a couple of spas there. And this gentleman, no, he's not a gentleman, he's a scumbag. Robert Aaron Long is uh, 21 years old of Woodstock, Georgia. He's expected of opening fire at the spas late Tuesday afternoon, early evening, now, he has said through law enforcement that this was not a hate crime. He was not targeting Asians. But that didn't stop the President of the United States and Kamala Harris, who the President of the United States frequently calls President of the United States, from going to Atlanta and uh, proclaiming a new, I guess, a race crisis. There's apparently a COVID-19 hate crimes act, a bill that's going to strengthen the government's reporting and response to uh, hate crimes and provide resources to such communities because of an elevated number of anti-Asian crimes in the country. And we're going to debunk some of that and who it's coming from very shortly. But I want to start with Vice President Harris and her comments in Atlanta about the killings and her take on it. And her take, like any good Democrat, is to think the worst of us, to think the worst of us of you and me. These facts are clear. Six out of the eight people killed on Tuesday night were of Asian descent. That's because they were all working in uh, locations that are considered to be Asian spas. Seven were women. Wasn't a hate crime against women, by the way. The shootings took place in businesses owned by Asian Americans. Again, I said they are Asian spas, and we'll get into what an Asian spa is very shortly. The shootings took place as violent hate crimes and discrimination against Asian Americans has risen dramatically. Particularly at Harvard University, where they're trying to keep Asians from going to school there because they're too good, they're too smart, and they're too many. Over the last year and more. In fact, over the past... Actually, for about the uh, the past uh, 20 years, and I'll explain where the hate's coming from very shortly. Last year, 3,800 such incidents have been reported, two of three by women, everything from physical assaults to verbal accusations. Uh And it's all harmful. And sadly, it's not new. Racism is real in America. Yeah, it's real in every country in the entire world. And it comes from every group in America, and by the way, we are a country comprised of different groups because we're, we're called this thing called the melting pot. When I was growing up, that was kind of a big deal. And it has always been. Xenophobia is real in America and always has been. Sexism, too. 
In the 1860s, as Chinese workers built the Transcontinental Railroad, there were laws on the books in America forbidding them from owning property. So we're going back to 1860 now uh, because of spa shootings from a guy who said that he didn't shoot these people because they're Asian. In the 1940s, as Japanese-American soldiers defended our nation, more than 120,000 Japanese-Americans were forced to live in internment camps. Done by a Democrat. An obvious and absolute abuse of their civil and human rights. Again, Democrat policy. Asian-Americans have been attacked and scapegoated. People who are perceived as Muslim know what it was like to live in our country after 9-11. For the last year... Again, here, here she is. She's thinking the worst of us. And anti-Muslim violence did not become a pandemic after September the 11th. That is not true. That is absolutely not true. And I got to tell you, this is the, the purest for, form of pandering I could possibly imagine. To look at a crime that the perpetrator and the police say is not a hate crime against Asians and use it as an opportunity. And, and I'm assuming the only reason for this is votes, pandering. Because I don't think the people, Asian people in the United States, feel like they're victims. I don't think people who uh, are, I'll say, outside of the, uh, the the millennial generation feel as though Asians, that they feel that they're victims if they are Asian in this country. I would venture to say that if you look at the per capita income of different ethnic groups in the country, Asians are right at the top. Indian people, right at the top. Even ahead of whitey. I know, isn't that crazy? So to, to classify... And, and I would assume possibly have the same appeal the Democrat Party has had to other ethnic groups when they pander to them with regard to race. They're trying to do this to Asian Americans. And again, they've got a COVID-19 hate crimes act out of this. And I could only think that this has got to be related to getting votes. She took a shot at uh, Donald Trump. And she basically said that by, by blaming the, uh, the COVID virus on the country of China, somehow this is causing an increase in hate crimes in America. But the facts unfortunately stand in the way. And if you're paying any attention to anything but Kamala Harris speaking, you know otherwise. Robert Long was 20, is 21 years old, being held in the Cherokee County Jail on four counts of murder, one count of aggravated assault. Sex is a hate crime category under Georgia's new law. If Long was targeting women out of hatred for them or scapegoating them for his own problems, it could potentially be a hate crime. Now listen to this guy, this, this here. This is a troubled and insane person. Long indicated to investigators he had a sex addiction, an issue with porn. And he claimed to see the spas as temptation that he wanted to eliminate. Long may have frequented some of these places in the past without specifying whether he meant exactly those businesses or spas like them. Long told the investigators the killings were not racially motivated. Okay? Two Asian, two white women, another gentleman, Paul Andre Michaels, 54 years old, not Asian, was killed. An injured survivor is Elcias Ortiz, a Hispanic and a male, which kind of busts up the Asian hate and woman hate mantra of the left. The Daily Beast was first to report the existence of uh, an account that he carried a screenshot, Facebook or Instagram, and the bio section caption read, pizza, guns, drums, music, family, and God. So, white guy, loves God. I'm sure they were hoping Trump supporters in there somewhere. Now, here's where the narrative falls apart. He went into rehab twice for sexual addiction, long time spent in rehabilitation for sexual addiction last year. This is according to a former roommate. The roommate who spoke on condition of anonymity said he lived with Long for several months in summer 2020 at a trans transition house for people uh, exiting rehab. Long had been in rehab for sexual addiction, adding that Long didn't talk about his addiction, but he had seemed to uh, be doing better by the time he left the transition house. Here's what happened. He was kicked out of his mom and dad's house. He was living at home. And mom and dad booted him because they were tired of dealing with his sexual addiction. He was tortured 
by an addiction to sex and had gone into massage parlors for sex. It was absolutely something that would torture him, according to Tyler Bayless, Cherokee County uh, Emergency uh, Dispatch Office. He was a deeply religious person. He would often go to on tangents about his interpretation of the Bible and was distraught about his addiction to sex. Mom and dad booted him out. He broke and did what an uh, unhinged person would do. So it wasn't anti-Asian and it wasn't anti-woman. By the way, I, I dug up this article from uh, 2010 from the San Francisco Gate. It's called The Dirty Secret of uh, Black on Asian Violence is Out by C.W. Nevius. San Francisco's hidden truth is out. That's what community organizer Carol Moe calls the realization that Asian residents are being targeted for robberies, burglaries, intimidation by young black men. It is San Francisco's dirty little secret, said Moe. It's not news to us. In uh, 2008, a survey by the police department, which about 300 strong armed robberies were analyzed, 85% of the physical assault crimes, the victims were Asian, the perpetrators were African-American. This happening in San Francisco in 2010, and it's happening all over the country. I don't want to solely blame this on on young black men, but to say that there is a a hate narrative driven by Donald Trump, which is what they're trying to say, and, and white guys, you know, like me, but that's what they're trying to create. According to the Justice Department, 27.5% of all violent crimes against Asians Americans in 2018 were committed by black people. That's over 50,000 incidents in a single year compared to 43,917 Asian victims who suffered at the hands of either white or Asian criminals. Asians made 6.2% of the population, uh, but just 1% of the perpetrators of violent crime. White white people are 62% of the population, commit 50%. So the narrative tends to fall apart, but the political opportunism does not and i think it's a shame because again it thinks the worst of us it does it thinks the worst of us when i was growing up i I grew up in the uh, 70s and and early 80s and um, i watched sesame street and i watched schoolhouse rock and i remember great american melting pot and and i I watched a video the other day of one of these uh, these uh, these songs and these videos that i had memorized i mean i know the preamble of the constitution because of schoolhouse rock and and the kids in schoolhouse rock uh were all colors and and verb was a black superhero and i always thought verb was so cool because that's what's happening i never thought that he was a uh, a black superhero and my family watched roots alex haley's roots riveted to the television for an entire week we also watched all in the family and good times and what's happening And we never thought twice about it. My generation, Generation X, you know, we kind of got out of college. We just immediately jumped into the workforce and and we didn't grandstand. And not a lot has been said about Generation X, but I kind of wonder if Generation X needs to maybe help us from this collapse of the country and this belief that somehow we are 1968 all over again. Somehow we are 1864 all over again. It's just not true. It's just not true. I wrote a little piece I'm going to share with you. Um, I'll try and read it all here, but it's about Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris doesn't tout that she's the first Indian-American vice president. She and the media constantly remind us that she is the first black person, VP or POC, of person of color. To both groups, her position is historical, but Kamala doesn't feel the need to use her Indian ethnicity to her advantage. Perhaps it's because Indian-Americans are some of the most successful and educated Americans in our country who make more that almost every ethnic group, including white Americans, being the first Indian American, doesn't have the same victim cred as her other half. Incidentally, she is not the first person of color to be VP. The, that honor belongs to Charles Curtis, President Herbert Hoover's VP, who was a member of the Kaw Indian Nation from Kansas. Kamala Harris experienced a privileged upbringing in Berkeley, California, with two well-educated and wealthy parents, her mother, Shamila Gopalan, and her father, Donald Harris. Mom was a, a prominent cancer researcher, passed away in 2009. Born in Nenea, came to the U.S. to get her Ph.D. from the University of California, Berkeley. Donald Harris was born in Jamaica, immigrated to the U.S. for a graduate degree, eventually become a professor of economics at Stanford. You know, not exactly in the hood here, kids. You know, not exactly a, a troubled upbringing and certainly uh, not a victim. She did, however, she said, you know, that she, uh, she had to ride the bus. Well, so did I. Kamala Harris grew up at the same time I did in this country, 
post Jim Crow, post civil rights movement. She rode the bus several miles to school every day. So that made her down with the struggle, I guess. Our generation was raised on Sesame Street, which was multicultural. We watched Good Times, Jefferson's that I just mentioned, and All in the Family. Each of these shows addressed issues of race with humor and drama. We watched Schoolhouse Rock and memorized its lessons, including Great American Melting Pot. Generation X was the first generation to give racism a collective meh. Kamala Harris has embraced the radicalism of the class of 68, whereas most of us moved on, worked with all ethnicities, served with them, and thought of America as a truly, uh, as the melting pot that it truly was. That's all I'll share. I'll, I'll share the rest of that as my, uh, my audio blog. Air Force One, the, the stumble that was heard around the world. Joe Biden fell down the stairs of Air Force One, and the only people in the world who are covering this apparently are, uh, are foreign news outlets. As of Friday afternoon, the homepages of MSNBC, CBS News, Washington Post, LA Times, and New York Times had no mention of Biden's stumbling incident early in the day. Now, think about this, guys. Think about the, the, the mainstream media not covering the President of the United States falling down some stairs, and yet... All of the memes and all of the gifts that were created with Joe Biden on a stair lift into Air Force One, did, did the media think that we wouldn't notice this? <laughs> I mean, I shared them. I created them. CNN and ABC News carried a, a brief items on the White House statement that Biden was just fine after tripping. NBC News featured a link to a video of the incident. New York Times photojournalist Doug Mills did a tweet of a photo of an incident with a succinct caption explaining uh, at POTUS stumbles as he walks up the stairs of Air Force One. But the rest of the media, the rest of the world covered it because Joe Biden keeps doing things like that and saying things like this. Now, when President Harris and I took uh, a virtual tour of a vaccination. Yeah, he's, he called her President Harris again. He's done this time and time again. <laughs> and then they're avoiding the story. Here is, uh, now Donald Trump uh, a, a little over a year ago was at a West Point graduation and he came very slowly down a ramp with a general on his arm. Donald Trump had never shown any feebleness before that. Now, Donald Trump saluted every one of the cadets in that class. He raised his arms over a thousand times. He went down a metal ramp with slick-soled shoes and he didn't want to fall down and embarrass himself because that would have opened him up to even more criticism. And then they noticed he, he lifted his glass of water to his mouth to take a sip and his hand was shaking because he had his arm in a salute over a thousand times. Here is Jim Acosta's report of the uh, President Trump's uh, ramp incident. Mr. Trump continues to claim Democrat Joe Biden doesn't have the stamina to serve as president. We have a radical left group going around. These people, there. there's something wrong with them. There really is. There's something wrong with them. And Joe doesn't have the strength. But Biden is jabbing back, pointing to Mr. Trump's slow descent down a ramp at a West Point commencement earlier this year. There you go. So that's Jim Acosta uh, basically saying, and, and listen, you, you've seen the, uh, the incidents of the president's, the president now, Joe Biden's uh, gaffes, mistakes, slip-ups, failures of memory. Forgetting to put his mask on. I, you know, I, we're not going to go into that ad nauseum, but you know it. Everybody knows it. The whole world knows the emperor is naked, but the, only the outlets in America are willing, are, are sitting on the story and not saying anything about it. It is, it is really remarkable. Here's, a, here's Joe Biden making fun of Donald Trump when he went down the stairs slowly without falling, by the way, at West Point. Look at how he steps and look how I step. Watch how I run up ramps and he stumbles down ramps. Okay? Come on. Come on, man. Come on, man. Here's Mika Brzezinski, who uh, is really pretty much arm candy on MSNBC, and she repeats a lot of stuff and giggles occasionally, talking about uh, the incident at West Point. I descended after my West Point commencement speech was very long and steep and had no handrail, and most importantly, was very slippery. The last thing I was going to do is fall for the fake news to have fun with. Final 10 feet, I ran down to level ground. Momentum. There's no indication, however, that the ramp was slippery on a clear, sunny day. President Trump also raised some questions during his West Point speech after taking a moment to sip some water by holding the glass with his right hand. You ever try to take a sip of water when you've done a, a whole bunch of arm curls at the gym or, or even like lift your coffee cup the next day? Yeah. But needing further assistance from his left. Jonathan Lemire. Uh, yeah, okay. So uh, there was a lot of, obviously, uh, no lack of coverage with regard to Donald Trump and his, uh, his West Point experience, but uh, plenty. There was plenty of 
coverage for that, but not for Joe Biden's trip up the stairs, which was very Chevy Chaseian, by the way, if you were familiar with the early days of Saturday Night Live. We do have a special guest on the line. He is Jim Bohannon. He's a nationally syndicated talk show host with Westwood One. He is a legendary broadcaster, a broadcast Hall of Famer, a mentor of mine, and he joins us on the phone right now. Jim, welcome. Thank you. Happy to do so, Rob. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, Joe Biden's stumble upstairs. Usually you don't fall upstairs. You fall downstairs. But he uh, he fell upstairs, and the American media has largely ignored this, while the rest of the world, it's uh, it's quite a story. What do you think? Well, uh, I I found it unfortunate. Uh, I, for the first thing I thought, of course, was that this is definitely uh, Trump's fault. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he had to... Had greased the the walkway with the bananas before leaving. Yes, but uh, I I thought it was it was a another sign that this person is shall we say physically and otherwise challenged. Yeah, and that bothered me. I mean, I have two thoughts on this. As the uh, a socialist pusher in chief, if he wants to drool, fine. It undercuts the credibility of what he's pushing. As the commander in chief or the leader of the free world, I cringe. I mean, when, when Putin challenged him to a public debate, I was just thinking, no, don't do it. Good <laughs> heavens, no. Yes, yes. Well, Joe Biden likes to, you know, he likes to tough, uh, talk tough, um, but he doesn't really have any any cred per se, and he's also not exactly the you know physically and mentally strongest person in the world. So I don't know if challenging, uh, and he has challenged people in the past. Said uh, you know he punched uh, Donald Trump in the face and all this stuff, and now Putin offers a challenge of just a phone call, and that uh, apparently that is uh, that is too much for for Joe Biden. The only uh, networks, the only I guess the only news agencies in the world I think that are covering uh, what appears to be a mental decline of Joe Biden is Sky News out of Australia. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree that there is, uh, uh, I won't go to, so far as to call it a conspiracy, but shall we say an unspoken agreement uh, to, to minimize this sort of thing and to try to pretend it doesn't exist at least long enough for uh, someone in the cabinet to utter aloud the words uh, 25th Amendment. Yeah, yeah. Well, what are your thoughts on it, Jim? I mean, I've just I've looked at some debate footage versus um, just recent uh, uh, I- instances where he, for instance, called Kamala Harris President Harris the other day. I mean, they're clearly, it looks like there has been a slip just in the last year, Jim. Well, I mean, this sort of thing, uh, unfortunately, I know something about this subject from the standpoint of my mother dying with dementia. Yeah. And it only gets worse. It does not get better. Someday I'm sure it'll get better, and someday it'll even be prevented. But uh, the only medication when my mother was suffered with this, she passed away back in... Uh, 2003, so that's been 18 years ago, the only drug that, that, that they had that, that did what it promised was a drug called Aricept, mm-hmm. and it promised that for about 9 or 10 months, it would delay the onset of symptoms. It wouldn't reverse them, wouldn't yeah. stop them, but it would delay the onset. I believe it did, uh, but that was it. I can only tell you this, if whatever we are watching is without question the application of the best available drugs there are. He's the President of the United States, for Pete's sake. Yeah. He is getting whatever is out there and uh, and again for example this uh, this news conference that's uh, that's coming up I, I guarantee you that this was much debated in the uh, the halls of the White House and they've decided that, that we simply we, we can't keep putting putting it off uh, we, we have to do this sooner or later uh, I, for example things that can be put off uh, the State of the Union address. Uh, there won't be a State of the Union address uh, for the first time, yeah. I believe, since President William Howard Taft. Uh, there will be a State of the Union written message. Yeah, well, let me ask you this. We'll we'll move off subject. Uh, the president and vice president went to, and those those uh, apparently those titles are interchangeable. Uh, went to Atlanta. Robert Aaron Long went into an Asian uh, massage parlor and uh, and murdered, uh, shot eight people. Um, and uh, of course, this is immediately being called a hate crime. He is a white male, and they went to introduce uh, an already, I guess, uh, a piece of legislation in the works: the COVID nineteen hate crimes bill, because of the rise of Asian hate crimes. Uh, the thing that I have a problem with is that when they went to Atlanta and, and Kamala Harris spoke, when things like this happen, they immediately, Democrats immediately, think the worst of us. Think the worst of our country uh, when we've, we have been a melting pot for our entire history. And I think this is just pure opportunism. 
Oh, I agree. It is pure opportunism. I mean, even the guy himself, the guy that they arrested, uh, says that uh, that he did what he did because uh, he has a sex addiction, and he felt that uh, that these uh, massage parlor workers were empowering him, if you will, to yeah. uh, to go down that uh, that sordid path. Which I'll grant you is not a rational answer. I hope the guy is is tried uh, fairly quickly. If convicted, I hope he gets the the ultimate punishment. But of course, he won't. But that would be justice. He's he's a, he's a low life. We don't need people like him in our society. Yeah. But having said that, I mean, there's no evidence whatsoever that this was intended as a hate crime. But the problem is, of course, that uh, it doesn't fit the narrative. It was handy. They were Asians, and uh, so I mean, uh, you want to talk about discrimination against Asians? How about the policies at Harvard and other yes. Ivy League schools yes. uh, to say, well, okay, by merit, uh, X percentage of you applying for admission here uh, deserve to be. Uh, Asian background, but since that's too many of you, we're going to just uh, cut yeah. that number down so that we can let other groups in as well. Now, you want discrimination, try that one on for size. Yeah, I think a good metaphor for this is, well, they're, they're trying to create another victim class. They're trying, trying to take advantage of uh, uh, what seems to be a, a rise in anti-Asian violence, which, by the way, anti-Asian violence has gone back uh, decades, and it's largely committed, uh, and I've read article upon article by black males, overwhelmingly. That is who is committing the Asian uh, uh, crimes against Asian people. Is it a hate crime or not? Uh, who knows? It sounds more like a crime of opportunity in many cases, but this is a narrative. It is about uh, creating a, a protected group, uh, acting like you're you know, down with their struggle. Uh, Kamala Harris doesn't call herself the first Indian American vice president because Indian Americans are, are not what many would consider an oppressed group. They make more money, they're more successful than their white counterparts. So she tends to lean toward the I'm a uh, first person of color uh, saying that she is a, not a, not necessarily an African-American, she tried that, but a person of color, instead of saying that she's proudly what, what could be historically the first Indian-American vice president ever. Yeah, I mean, uh, we are, are so sliced and diced up into yeah. convenient little groups, for Pete's sake. I mean, it's just amazing that the people are going down the list like they're checking off a list. Well, uh, she's the first woman vice president, check. Uh, she's the first woman of color vice president, check. Yep. I mean, what next? Uh, are we going to go for left-handedness? So what about eye color? Uh, uh, first, first vice president under 5'4". I mean, how far does this go, for Pete's sake? Well, it looks like just it's going... How much, how much tribalism does it take to make you people smugly pat yourself on the back for how, how much diversity and inclusivity you're showing? Absolutely. You know, I did a DNA test for the first time uh, a couple of years ago. I found out that I am more Native American than uh, than uh, what's her name? The uh, I'm uh, I'm drawing. Dry- yes, Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth yeah. Warren. Yes, I did. I literally legit, legitimately have more uh, Native American blood. It's like one percent, but it's it's more than than her. Let's move on to the border and uh, the fact that the Biden administration is not willing to call it a crisis. What is about the word crisis? I mean, they're sending the Federal Emergency Management Agency to the border. But they're afraid to say it's a crisis, although Jen Psaki accidentally said it the other day. Well, I think they need to be exploring a little bit. I mean, there are lots of, uh, of other words. I mean, they've already come up with challenge. It's not a crisis. It's a challenge. They're <laughs> yes. looking for C words. Okay, <laughs> conundrum. Yes. Uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, this doesn't start with a C, but oopsie might be pretty good or, or my bad. I mean, there are all kinds of ways to, to, to describe this, I suppose. But, uh, again, they, they, they just love playing these uh, somatics gymnastics. And I, uh, I mean, they've got a serious problem. Let me, let me give a hint to the White House, okay? Yes. Here's the hint. When Chuck Schumer starts suggesting that you'd better get your border act together, <laughs> it's time to get your border act yes. together. Now, Chuck cares about whether or not this is going to be an issue to deprive him of enough seats that he's no longer the majority leader but the minority leader again. But that's a legitimate fear on his part. He ought to be worrying about it. And so should the Biden administration. And another bit of advice, while I'm offering advice to the president, let's assume that I love Joe Biden to pieces and I support everything that he's about. Mr. President, stop sucking up to the left wing. They aren't where the votes are. Mm -mm. Let those people go. Throw them a couple of bones, which you've already more than done. And otherwise, aim for the middle. Be more Bill Clinton. Yeah, but you are you are you are killing yourself now. As a person who doesn't like Joe Biden or his agenda, I have this to say, Mr. President: Keep doing exactly <laughs> yeah, what you're doing. Exactly. November of 2022 ain't that far away. Well, you know, I don't know about you, but on the ballot, I don't think uh, banning Dr. Seuss and uh, letting um, uh, people born boys compete with girls was number one on the list. 
No, it, it is not. And again, as I say, you must understand the thing about Biden. Biden has always been an empty vessel. He's oh, yeah. had what I have described in the past as a great versatility of conviction. Yes. <laughs> when the Democrats are blown to the center, Joe's blown to the center. Yes. When the Democrats blow left, Joe blows to the left. Joe is good old Joe, lunch bucket Joe. Joe just wants to get elected. Joe Biden accomplished everything he wanted to accomplish as president on January 20th. Yep. He took the oath of office. <laughs> yes. Now, and, and, and although I have no doubt... That, that, quote, he's in charge, quote, unquote, and that he's probably even emphasized that fact. But that's always followed with, okay, any suggestions? And the left is happy to let yes. him think he's in charge, and they keep offering suggestions. Yeah. And he keeps listening to them. But he is going, it's the old cliche about Democrats, but it's true. The Democrats have never missed an opportunity to miss an opportunity. Yes. And they are missing this one. They are missing majorly, and it's going to be a, it's going to be a slaughter. Uh, unless H.R. 1 is passed through the Senate, then, uh, well, then, then, then there'll be Democrats in, per, you know, forever. Uh, and at which point you have to hope that at some point the Supreme Court will, will kick in if somebody, mm. in fact, brings a suit, if yeah. somebody is determined to have standing. Uh, apparently being a voter, a taxpayer, and a citizen doesn't provide you with the standing. No, so. I guess not. Let me ask you this, one more question about uh, Anthony Fauci, Joe Biden, basically saying we're going to be wearing uh, masks for the foreseen future well into 2022. What are your thoughts on, on COVID at this point after more than a year of this, uh, what I consider nonsense? Well, I'll put it this way. Uh, there have to be limits to how far down this road we go, and... I think one problem that we have faced in this country is that we look for a solution that harms nobody. Well, this is the real world. There is no such solution. In the real world, your choices are frequently not good versus bad. Your choices are bad versus worse. And if uh, the social distancing and the wearing of masks and the closing of various establishments has had any positive value, which is, of course, a debatable point, but that's coupled with the number of people out there who have lost their jobs, who yes. can't get them back, who have yep. lost their businesses and don't have the capital to restart one, who suffered depression, even suicide in yep. some cases, yep. uh, kids in school who are not really in school, who are uh, losing ground. Uh, the, the biggest thing that's happening right now in our schools is that the kids who have decent uh, support, if you will, parents who, ha who care and have the time to care and provide kids with the tools they need, they're hanging in there. They're doing fairly well. But the kids who are poor, who don't have the physical resources, whose single parent may be working two and a half jobs just to put food on the table, they're falling further behind. Yeah. The gap that has always existed between the haves and the have-nots educationally is widening. Yeah. Now, for the Democrats, who are supposedly so into equity, this ought to be a problem for them. There is no path forward that does not entail harming somebody. And at some point, people have to earn a paycheck. Yeah, this has to end. We should have protected the vulnerable from the get-go. And this can't happen again. Jim Bohannon, uh, thanks for joining me today. For everybody, uh, where can people find your show and find you? Not, not actually your location. Exactly. Uh, you can find me, of course, uh, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jimbo Talks, T-A-L-K-S, at, at Jimbo Talks. And uh, the website for The Bohannon Show, which is heard weeknightly at 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern Time, is the uh, very appropriately named Jim bohannonshow.com B-O-H-A-N-N-O-N We thought about the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon but it was taken. So exactly. JimBohannonshow.com Alright Jim, thanks for talking to me. Have a glorious day. Hey, you too, Rob. Alright, so Jim Bohannon of uh, Westwood One, the Jim Bohannon radio program. By the way, you're listening to Newsmax Daily. It's a brand new audio offering from the fastest growing cable news network. Uh, I am a host on Newsmax. I do a weekend show. That airs uh, 9 o'clock on Saturday nights. Yeah. In prime time, it's called Rob Carson's What in the World, and it is a, uh, a satirical look at news, pop culture, and other stuff. So I make sure to uh, check that out. Let's move on to the uh, crisis at the southern border. Now, of course, uh, uh, Jen Psaki and the White House are not calling it a crisis. They have something against that word. They might call it catastrophe. They, they're not considering that. But there is a crisis. Uh, there is a, a Texas migrant facility 700% over capacity in Donna, Texas. Thousands more children are streaming into the country. The uh, head of, of uh, the uh, National, uh, the Homeland Security Administration was actually being questioned by 
members of Congress, including uh, Representative Kat Kamek. Now, Secretary Alexander Mayorkas is uh, taking care of the deployment of federal emergency management agency to the border because there's a crisis, although he won't say crisis. And uh, and Representative Kamek actually hit him with some hardball questions. Uh, the first one, <laughs> I think that kind of started him off on the wrong foot. Uh, can you tell me what FEMA stands for? The Federal Emergency Management Administration. <laughs> Excellent. So since FEMA has been now deployed to the border, that would stand to reason that there is an emergency on the border, correct? Um, uh, Congresswoman, um, uh, perhaps you did not answer the question. Just, just answer the question. I know you don't want to say crisis. Now you don't want to say emergency, but just answer the question. Not, um, hear me. Uh, yes or no will suffice. We have a very serious challenge at the border. The hot challenge. We are tackling it. All right, there you go. So it's a challenge. That's a C word we can use. Apparently, here she is being asked about uh, because they're they're uh, apparently uh, uh, the National Security Administration uh, is no longer or the Homeland Security uh, Administration, I should say, uh, is no longer concerned about the border wall on our southern border, but very concerned about the wall that surrounds Congress right now. There's a massive wall. There's a wall around the Pentagon, too. Did you know that? I've got friends in Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. is a war zone, and apparently walls work there. Here she is asking the, uh, the director of Homeland Security, Alexander Mayorkas about the wall in D.C., and he apparently uh, appears quite clueless. Experts with respect to what particular... Here we go. Um, So, real quick, talking about the infrastructure, and I know FEMA is is great when it comes to standing up infrastructure, but talking about DHS as a whole, and I know you all play a role here, do you support the the walls around the capital region? Okay, now that's a pretty easy question to answer. Do you support the walls that are around the capital area? Why, yes, I do. Okay, let's move on to the next question. But you won't get that kind of an answer from a Washington, D.C. bureaucrat. Uh, what wall are you speaking of the <laughs> fencing, um, Congresswoman? What is this fence around the Capitol? I've never heard of it as the, as the head of the, uh, uh, you know, the uh, DHS. Yes, the, the 10-foot wall fencing with razor wire around it. Um, uh, Congresswoman, uh, that is a issue. Congresswoman, if I, if I may, that is an issue that I have not studied. I've left uh, to the security experts uh, with respect to what particular type of. You're the head of the DHS. You haven't studied that wall. Physical barriers are best suited uh, for the protection uh, of uh, the capital region. And I apologize. I, I know I'm new here, and I know you're new here, but well, as Secretary I'm, I'm trying of to answer, DHS I'm trying of to answer your Security, question. you're telling me that you haven't studied whether or not a 10-foot fence around the Capitol region is necessary? As I study that all the time because I read about it in the news. Secretary of Homeland Security? <laughs> wow. Congresswoman, uh, I have deferred to the experts with respect to the mm-hmm. nature yeah. of the physical barrier that is most effective in protecting the capital. You know, brevity uh, of expression is not very common in Washington, D.C. Isn't it amazing how you can take uh, a one-word answer and make it into a paragraph or two? It is uh, absolutely uh, astounding to me. (laughs) Just just absolutely unbelievable. She asked him uh, one more question. She apparently had a friend who was murdered by an illegal. See, I'm from a small town um, out west, and... The, the month before I was supposed to graduate high school, which was 2006, one of my classmates was kidnapped by an illegal who had been deported multiple times. And I think when you have policies that incentivize folks to come over illegally and we don't have the proper mechanism. And when you get rid of uh, Donald Trump's policies as soon as you uh, you come into office. ...in place to protect our borders, as you say, FEMA has been deployed and they are an emergency agency, that kind of impact has resounding effects. So my question to you, her name was Amber Scott, the, the young lady that was kidnapped by this illegal criminal. How many, how many more Ambers have to be kidnapped across America before you will take action? Okay, now this is going to give the uh, the DHS director a chance to uh, to do some sort of moral superiority. Young lady's time has expired. Uh, uh, Mr. Chairman, may I? Yeah, uh, Mr. Chairman, 
Mr. Chairman, yes. may I answer that question? Yes. Congresswoman, uh, I find that question to be extraordinarily disrespectful. Ah. Disrespectful not only to me, but disrespectful to the men and women of the Well, maybe since you won't say the word crisis, uh, you don't deserve a lot of respect. Department of Homeland Security. When you want to acknowledge what is happening at the border, maybe you personally don't deserve a lot of respect. Uh, and to all the frontline personnel throughout this country who dedicate themselves to the safety and security of the American people. Oh, I don't think we're any of us blaming uh, officers in the DHS and then FEMA and the other agencies of border agencies. They're blaming the leadership because they have their hands tied. They have their hands tied. So don't bloviate and act like we are somehow insulting the men and women in uniform at the border because that is not the case. We are blaming the bureaucrats who are letting it fail. And by the way, Donald Trump had illegal immigration of the country uh, cut by 85%. The Biden administration is blaming the Trump administration for the spike because they were woefully unprepared. Well, see, when you cut illegal immigration by 85%, you don't need the detention facilities anymore. And when your policy basically says, come on in, we're open for business, then people in South and Central America and Mexico and other countries, including countries that foster terrorism, they hear about the hue and call from the new president. And by the way, he's just picking up where Barack Obama left off. And when you consider about many of these, these illegals are unaccompanied minors, and you put two and two together, you realize that this is the most cynical thing that our country could possibly attack, uh, could possibly uh, experience, first of all, a an opening of a sovereign border which keeps us all safe okay and exists for the people of the country but also when unaccompanied minors come into the united states they are being used by a variety of people drug cartels coyotes sex traffickers and the democrat party because there was a thing called chain migration, which would allow kids who came into the country illegally to then be able to bring their family in. It was called chain migration. Under the Obama administration, it was demonized because it was somehow racist, I guess. But that's the goal of it. It's to create a permanent underclass and overwhelm the voting rolls with potential Democrat voters. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. New data suggests that President Biden's determination to undo, reverse, and otherwise erase former President Donald Trump's immigration and enforcement policies led to fewer arrests and deportations in February. It's policy, kids. It's policy. Speaking of policy and, uh, and uh, policy that has changed time and time again, the COVID policies of different states have been um, kind of nuts, kind of nuts. The CDC, by the way, now says that uh, as far as classrooms are concerned, uh, you can you can be three part three feet apart in classrooms rather than six feet. So if you're four feet from someone, you are perfectly fine. If you get within thirty two inches, they're dead. I mean, you're you're dead or they're dead. It's either one. But if you get within that three feet, it's all over, people. Greg uh, Mazzaretti, who leads the CDC's Community Intervention Task Force, says that while there is uh, evidence of mental health and other benefits from in-person uh, schooling, we really don't have the evidence that six feet is required in order to maintain low spread. Uh, it's all falderall. It's all fake. Joe Biden says we must keep wearing masks until the vast majority of Americans are vaccinated. A good many people in the country are not being vaccinated. I am not an anti-vaxxer. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm not personally taking the vaccine. I also did, did not get my flu shot this year. It's not a, uh, you know, any sort of political statement. It's just I'm not very interested in a, a vaccine for a, a virus that is overwhelmingly survivable. Also, everyone that I've known who's had it had nearly no symptoms at all, including my 91-year-old mother. So I'm not interested in, in taking a vaccine even if they say, Rob, you can't travel or cross state lines, which I'm afraid they may try someday, I'm not going to get the vaccine. I didn't know if you knew this, but Rand Paul is a doctor, and he uh, talked to Anthony Fauci in a congressional hearing last week about masks and how 
Anthony Fauci, who's been wrong about a good deal of the uh, the COVID policy, the predictions. You remember about a year ago, they said, hey, man, we just need a 15-day lockdown. Everything will be cool. And now he wants us to wear masks in perpetuity into the into the year 2022. Here's Rand Paul. What study shows significant reinfection, hospitalization, and death after either natural infection or the vaccine? It doesn't exist. There is no evidence that there are significant reinfections after vaccine. In fact, I don't think we have a hospitalization in the United States after the two-week period after the second vaccination. Yeah, you have a death in the United States. You're not hearing what I'm saying about variants. We're talking about wild type versus variants. And now there are apparently several variants of the uh, the COVID, and and they will come up with a new one every time restrictions are uh, are ended. They will come up with another. COVID variant. And and you would think that if they're so concerned about the variants, they would be doing other vaccines for the variants, but they are not. They are not doing vaccines for the variants, but they are keeping in place restrictions. What proof is there that there are significant reinfections with hospitalizations and death? There are none. From the variants. None in our country. All right, there you go. Here is uh, Rand Paul asking about masks, wearing masks forever. The science behind it. All right, let me try that again. You want people to wear a mask for another couple of years. No. You've been vaccinated, and you parade around in two masks for show. No. You can't get it again. There's almost there's virtually 0% chance you're going to get it, and yet you're telling people with them that have had the vaccine, who have immunity. You're defying everything we know about immunity by telling people to wear a mask who have been vaccinated. No. Instead, you should be saying there is no science to say we're going to have a problem from the large number of people being vaccinated. You want to get rid of vaccine hesitancy? Something quit wearing their mask after they get the vaccine. That would get rid of some vaccine hesitancy if you could just say, hey, look, I don't have to wear a mask anymore, everybody. You want people to get the vaccine? <laughs> Give them a reward instead of telling them that the nanny state's going to be there for three more years and you got to wear a mask forever. I don't know about you, but I'm really, 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 really tired of wearing masks. I'm really tired of having to talk to people like this and you have to have to repeat things because you can't understand really what they're saying. It's, it's, it's nuts. Oh, by the way, I didn't know if you knew this. The, the last flu season, which happened from October until February this year, was substantial reduction in uh, the number of flu hospitalizations. Did you realize in 2019 to 2020, the flu season, the CDC estimated up to 56 million flu illnesses, 56 million, 18 to 26 million medical visits, and up to 740,000 hospitalizations. How much did the COVID reduce the number of people who were hospitalized with the flu? You're thinking only 700,000, 600,000, 500,000? Now, the CDC listed laboratory-confirmed influenza-associated hospitalizations in its weekly U.S. influenza surveillance report as uh, 165. No, not not 1,000. No, it's, it's 165 people. Yeah. CBS Healthwash reporter and author of The Matrix Revealed, John Rappaport, found out that uh, it looks like a massive number of flu cases have been relabeled as COVID cases. My wife has a friend whose father was in a nursing home and he died and they put on his death certificate COVID. He was never tested. This is happening all over the country because there is a perverse incentive as said by the CDC director and I'm quoting a perverse incentive to diagnose COVID and label it as a cause of death and that perverse incentive is monetary thought you should know I've done a little bit of research on this kids Oh, this is fantastic. California theme parks are telling no uh, the visitors uh, no screaming or heavy breathing on roller coasters. <laughs> what, what is the point in going on a roller coaster if you have to sit there and you can't breathe heavy when you're terrified? How do you not breathe heavy and how do you not scream when you're terrified? This is so stupid. This is, I mean, wow. I, I, what am I, the slogan that I use at the end of my show on Newsmax TV is, don't catch the stupid. Ah, the stupid is strong in this one. 
It says here, the ability to limit activities that are known to cause increased spread, i.e. singing, shouting, heavy breathing, loud environments will cause people to raise voice. And so you should uh, you should wear masks and not scream and socially distance and all. What about uh, throwing up? Because people have been knowing, can you, don't know, don't throw up. You get motion sick. Well, Disneyland uh, is uh, reopening to capacity, 15% capacity on April the 30th. So it's like being in that fast lane, you know, at the you pay extra for. Mm-hmm. So here are some insane COVID restrictions around the world. I, I found this article and I just thought it was interesting. And I want to share it with you because I, we are not the only country with COVID dictators. For instance, in uh, in France, the curfew and movement re- uh, restrictions. Residents can go outside for exercise, but only within six miles of their homes. People are not allowed to travel to the other parts of the country without proof of valid or valid reason. Cafes, restaurants, museums, theaters, ski resorts have all been closed. Why else go to France? Businesses that are closed down will get uh, compensation up to 20% of their revenues from 2019. That's That's very generous of them. As far as public transportation, listen to this. They're saying no talking, no phone calls to reduce the spread of germs on public transportation. And whenever social distancing is not possible, officials specified that this is not an obligation, but a recommendation. And by the way, during France's lockdown in March of 2020, the rules were even more stringent. People had to download and fill out a form each time they wanted to leave the house. Yeah. In Abu Dhabi, UAE, most passengers arriving in uh, Abu Dhabi, the United Arab Emirates required to wear a, ma- uh, a tracking bracelet during their mandatory 10-day home quarantine. You don't need a bracelet if you're going to stay home. Self-isolation must take place at home, and you will be required to wear a medically approved wristband for the duration. Singapore, tracking devices. Yeah. Singapore started requiring people to carry a special digital device or uh, use an app to help authorities track any contacts with coronavirus cases. This is... Um, George Orwell is spitting like a baseball bat on a lathe in his grave right now. Additionally, travelers uh, entering Singapore from most countries are required to serve a 14-day quarantine at a government-designed, a designated facility at the traveler's expense. So enjoy your vacation to Singapore that you want on The Price is Right. You're going to be spending those 14 days in quarantine. And you'll get out just in time to get on the plane and come home. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. A number of states in Mexico took step to, steps to ban the sale and marketing of drunk, drunk food, junk food and sugary beverages to minors in September out of concern that health conditions such as diabetes and obesity were putting people at a higher risk from the coronavirus. So in response to the COVID, uh, Mexico put its minors on a diet. Wow, 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 wow. In Spain and Catalonia, restrictions vary widely by region, but gatherings of over six people are banned across Spain. And nationally, a night curfew for 10 or 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. Spain closed nightclubs, uh, banned uh, smoking in outdoor places where people can't maintain social distancing to at least six feet because apparently uh, the smoke will carry the virus and nobody knows. California, you see, when you breathe, you, you, you breathe... You just don't see what comes out of your mouth. The only reason why you see somebody smoking it is a pattern of breathing, but it has particulates from smoking it, you see. That's, it's called smoke. Catalonia's regional government uh, asked in November that all public transport riders retain from speaking, eating, and drinking. Just nuts. Germany, you got to have special masks. The N95 or FFP2 masks rather than just simple cloth face coverings in stores. Although that's what most people wear in the United States and there's no massive increase in, in uh, infections. And that's why I believe the masks are falderall. And, and wearing two masks or three masks is falderall. We should protect the vulnerable, those who are, uh, have comorbidities and are elderly. That's how it should have been from the get-go. But of course it didn't. And oh, by the way, in South Africa... Um, they're banning uh, liquor sales. Yeah, No alcohol sales. It lasted actually until June the 1st. The ban was brought back in July, but reversed a second time a month later because reckless behavior due to alcohol intoxication is attributed to <laughs> increased transmission. Alcohol-related accidents and, uh, and violence are putting pressure on emergency uh, units. Well, they pretty much do that anyway, don't they? I mean, don't they honestly? 
do that pretty much. That's what alcohol kind of does to you. Yeah, it's kind of funny. And there are some ridiculous rules still in the United States. For instance, they're, they're finding allowing uh, wedding receptions in New York. Weddings and, and, and weddings and catered events allowed to resume that started last uh, Monday. But, of course, they have some, uh, they have some rules. They have some rules. Here is the, the report of the new rules if you want to have a wedding reception. I think tomorrow, brides and grooms in New York State can celebrate their big day with more people. Wedding receptions can resume Monday with a number of restrictions. Yes, but can bridesmaids still hook up with groomsmen in the coat check room? In place, venues can operate at 50% capacity <laughs> or up to 150 guests. It happens more often than you think. Yes, whichever amount is smaller. Everyone must have a negative COVID test result before they arrive. Guests will also need to sign in for contact tracing. And before the party starts, the event needs approval by the local health department. Yeah, you know, I think I'll just go ahead and, uh, and have, the, uh, have the wedding in New Jersey. I think that's a good idea. Honestly, this is, this is an opportunity for busybodies. This is a busybody dream come true. The, the COVID has been a busybody dream come true for those who get in, put into positions of leadership and they, and they feel like they can make you do anything. It is actually just remarkable. It's remarkable. Here's uh, Rand Paul talking about going to the Capitol gym the other day. And by the way, I feel bad for women named Karen. Yeah. Okay, here he is. I was on the treadmill the other day, and some Karen goes and tells the people, <laughs> he's on a treadmill, he's running without a mask. I mean, for goodness sakes, is this the world we're going to live in where everybody's reporting everyone and the Gestapo's going to come because and arrest you like this poor woman? I mean... You know, you got you to admit it is very Gestapo-esque. It is remarkable. I've had people... Approach me. I was a, a man who came in and I, I don't like to breathe with the dang uh, mask ab above my nose because I'm breathe breathing my own uh, carbon dioxide, and I, I just I don't like it. It makes me feel awful, and so I don't. And this in this man at the Walmart, I was just shopping at Walmart, and he and he said, "Oh, here's another guy not wearing his mask properly," and he did it once. And then when I was back in the store, he saw me again. I don't know if he didn't remember saying this to me, but he said it again. And I said, "You know, buddy, you can just kiss off." Oh, apparently the uh, the attempt to expose or expose expel GOP Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, fell on its face. Uh, Rep Representative Jimmy Gomez of California uh, introduced a formal resolution to kick her out of the Congress. This is what Democrats do when they can't win an argument. They attempt to do this, and uh, here he is actually introducing the legislation or the uh, resolution. And threatens our lives must be exposed. Here we go. I believe some of my Republican colleagues, and one in particular, wish harm upon this legislative body. Is what I believe. Kind of like a lot of Democrats have done in the last couple of years. After this chamber was turned into a crime crime scene just ten weeks. Get in our faces. To go, it's how many of attack us people at Trump rallies. Felt sheltering in this room as the Capitol was breached. Some members called their loved ones to say goodbye. Others prayed to their God. And the the award for best actor goes to. I asked myself if this would be the day our democracy die. I take no joy in introducing this resolution. Now, by the way, um, whenever you hear that from a congressperson, uh, it, it means they take immense joy in it. Uh, they did the same thing with Donald Trump's uh, impeachment. Yeah, I, 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 it gives me no joy. <laughs> I take no joy in introducing yeah. this resolution. Okay, whatever, sure. But any member who incites political violence. Yeah, whatever. Well, it, it fell flat on his face. It didn't go anywhere. And Marjorie Taylor Greene was on with uh, Chris Salcedo of Newsmax talking about what this was all about. And, uh, and you know, I, I've never been a terrific fan of hers, but the more that she speaks and the more she fights back, I am. Well, you know, uh, Jimmy Gomez and I don't see eye to eye, except when we're standing there in person. Physically, we see eye to eye in stature anyways. Oh. Uh, but here's the problem with Democrats. The way they're treating me is exactly the way they treat Trump supporters. Democrats are the ones that have called for violence on Trump supporters. We'll always remember Maxine Waters calling for people to attack Trump supporters. Oh, yeah, there was that. In the streets, we know that Kamala Harris and Ilhan Omar and others shared the Minnesota Freedom Fund bail bond link, actually asking for donations to bail out just... It's supported by Democrats. ...committed crimes... 
by rioting in city streets, attacking citizens, police officers, federal buildings, looting and burning cities. The, they all did this as sitting members of Congress. Now one of them is our vice president. So who is guilty of inciting violence on the American people? Is it me? No, I don't think so. I've not done anything. But it is the Democrats who did this. Yep, it is the uh, Democrats. And again, that was on my friend Chris Halcedo's show on Newsmax TV. And uh, hey, that's going to do it for the very first edition of the Newsmax Daily. My name is Rob Carson. It has been an honor and privilege to be here. If you'd like to check me out on Parler on social media, P-A-R-L-E-R.com, Rob Carson Show on Magabook.com at Rob Carson Show and on Rumble, a video channel at Rob Carson Show. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Newsmax Daily with Rob Carson. Check your cable guide or NewsmaxTV.com. Or watch free on YouTube, Roku, Apple, Pluto, Zumo, Amazon Fire, and your smart TV. Newsmax, America's fastest growing cable news channel. Check NewsmaxTV.com for details.